Hello again. Welcome back to Politico Sexual. It's Chris Estes here with Lex Tyler. Hey. Uh, it is May 3rd, 2016, and we have a nominee. Uh, after winning Indiana tonight, Donald Trump is the presumptive Republican nominee because Ted Cruz has dropped out. But wait, there's more. Since the last time that we spoke to you, Ted Cruz, Cruz for some reason, named a running mate. And it was Carly Fiorina and her 1% of the vote. So that was a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah, so Carly Fiorina has been in not like the bottom 10% of polling in terms of chances to end up on the Republican ticket for precisely like four days right. of this entire election season. Yep. Yeah, I love, yeah, they... I love the presumptive nominee. Thing. presumptive nominee yeah yeah as as though somebody's not gonna start some shit in cleveland anyway i mean <laughs> right i, I, I mean, realize I that this is just all the, the uh, up, but... I, I think it's just the term they like to use like president-elect when you're not technically nominated yet maybe i don't know but either yeah. way either way like cruz even launched a new url launched you know had a new logo had all this stuff and that lasted for what? What did we have that for? Three days? Four days? Something like this? Something like that. I mean, it, we recorded last exactly a week ago, uh -huh. um, give or take 20 minutes. And, you know, Carly Fiorina was not the vice presidential. Yeah, she was the furthest thing <laughs> attachment, from mind. Uh, you know, at that point. Um, right. The, I think it was actually, it must have been the day after, because I remember when you texted me and said, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is completely unprecedented. And of course, we found out shortly afterwards that it actually wasn't technically unprecedented because Ronald Reagan, the patron saint of the Republican Party, actually tried it in 1976. Mm -hmm. also against to sitting President failure. Gerald Ford. Against, yeah. Yes, against the sitting president who yeah. didn't win the general, but neither here nor there. No, but certainly was the Republican nominee. Yeah. As it were, if you can even call it that, he was the fucking president. Either way. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, nevertheless, so they they have this entire thing where they announce Fiorina as the running mate. And what shocks me most about this is that if this was their big, like, you know, back of the playbook, pulling out all the stops, kitchen sink move, mm -hmm. a loss in Indiana was all that it took to sink that. Like that right? was a weak fucking play. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they were just expecting that that was going to be some sort of, you know, tectonic shift in right. in the voting. And if so, I don't know why. I don't know if they thought that Fiorina yeah, I mean, was going to be that much of a, you know, Venn diagram pulling away from right. from Donald and, Trump's. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a weird thing, right? And even if – so this is a best-case scenario, right? Let's say that in her wildest dreams, Carly Fiorina was really getting 5% of the vote months yeah. ago when she was yeah. in this race, right? Which was she ever? No, she was not. Like two, three, maybe would be like her best polling numbers. So let's say that let's say that 5% of the vote was for Carly Fiorina, right? And let's say then that those 5% of Republican voters, maybe half of them have made up their minds since. That still leaves, what, 3% as a absolute out of this world shoot for the stars best case scenario yeah and then like you know let's say that some of them most of them go to cruise does he really think that that like two or three percent is going to shift this like it's a weird gamble if you can call it a gamble it's a weird play to make like a weird power play to, to go through like i just don't 
know where the logic was ever. I mean, the the logic could have been as simple as Reagan did it. I mean, even though it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. nobody said that, but we all know what a wank fest the, the GOP has. Yeah, on... maybe, maybe this is Ted Cruz's weird reptilian way that now he believes that he is going to, uh, you know, in four years become president. Like, this was part of the... The second coming of Reagan. Like now that he's done this in, in 2016, he can also follow exactly four years later and become become president of the United States. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he's, an, he's an insane man. Who can say? I mean, good riddance, end of the day. I'm going to miss the funny gifs, but sure. that's about it. I, I, you know, I'll miss and I'll not miss the funny gifs because every single time I see his face, a little part of me dies. Even if it <laughs> yeah, is a funny fair, video, fair really. Enough. But I mean, you know, speaking of even earlier today, this campaign seemed to be all in. Uh, Donald Trump was busy being weird and citing a National Enquirer article about uh, uh, yeah. Rafael Cruz, Ted Cruz's father, being with Lee Harvey Oswald in the moments leading up to his death. And uh, Ted Cruz gave a really good response uh, in relation to that. Uh, he kind of, you know up for his wife, said that Donald Trump is a pathological liar who could pass a lie detector test morning, noon, and night saying three different contradictory things and believe it every goddamn time. And I think that that could be the case. Like, I think Ted Cruz might be onto something here. But so where does this leave the Republican Party if he's the nominee and you have people like Ted Cruz, his, you know, stiffest competition, saying these sort of things about him? It leaves the Republican party <laughs> in a clusterfuck, just like Ryan Priebus tells himself is not happening every single night as he holds a right. blanket and gets a back massage from his wife <laughs> while he silently cries into the pillow. Like it's, it's, like, it's all I mean, collapsing like, clearly. Right. And I feel like it's often said by on the other side of the aisle that oh man that party's a mess look at them go at each other but i feel like this is the closest to true that that's ever been like uh ark salter tonight uh who was uh an aide and a close friend of john mccain uh said that he's voting for hillary clinton really? uh he said that in a tweet yeah said that the gop is nominating a president this is a tweet of his the gop is going to nominate a president Nominate for president a guy who reads the National Enquirer and thinks it's on the level. I'm with her. So, I mean, even, like, you know, people from recent Republican campaigns, Mitt Romney, for that matter, I don't know what he's planning to do. But, I mean, there is this – there's this huge rift. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of well, rifts and support for Donald Trump, uh, our our sort of de facto Trump supporter of the week. Because we don't have a real one. Yeah, we don't have a real one. But it's uh, it's former – Speaker of the House, John Boehner, with his uh, amazing quotes about <laughs> Ted Cruz. Yeah, I think pretty much everybody, no matter how tenuous of a hold on politics you have right now, has probably heard these because they were everywhere. But they are so amazing that they bear repeating <laughs> yeah. multiple times. Um, Absolutely. I just can't really get enough of it. And I think one of my favorite part about the remarks is that it was kind of a gift that kept on giving. So there was... The lead yes. line, right, where he calls Ted Cruz Lucifer in the flesh, 
uh, which was <laughs> the headlines everywhere. That was wonderful. I think my favorite part, though, was where he, at the end of those remarks, said that Ted Cruz will be president over his dead body. <laughs> <laughs> Then there was the predictable responses uh, where um, whatever – I don't know who the spokesman was, but somebody with the Satanists <laughs> said, please don't associate us with Ted Cruz. Right. Um, uh, what was it? Peter and, King. Uh, yeah, Peter King, Representative Peter King, said that Cruz gives Lucifer a bad name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean – Absolutely and then amazing. There's the, uh, I, I'm, I'm forgetting who said it, but a quote that you uh, you drew my attention back to from a while back where it was said that if uh, if you were to murder Ted Cruz on the Senate floor in front mm-hmm. of all of the senators and the trial were, were held in the Senate, that you would be acquitted of that crime. <laughs> yep. That's Lindsey Graham. That's, that's some uh, classic right. shit right Thank there. You. Yeah. <laughs> so he may not be our – he may not be strictly a Trump supporter of the week, but John Boehner, for all of his anti-Cruz rhetoric this week, his hilarious anti-Cruz rhetoric, is our uh, sort of de facto Trump supporter of the week. Yeah, he's Since technically left with. technically he endorsed Paul Ryan uh, <laughs> over <laughs> everyone that was running, uh, but he did say that he will vote for Trump. Uh, he just super qualified it by basically saying that you know he doesn't think. Trump is actually a good presidential candidate, but he's better than Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, all of that was just deliciously epic. And Democrats start doing this. This is this is not fair. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that the right? only people slinging this kind of mud are in the GOP. Like, I I want the juicy nuggets. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I have had more fun reading about you know ted cruz as lucifer this week than i have anything from actual hard news oh absolutely (laughs) the only thing that really comes close like just in terms of things that make me laugh um i don't want to comment too heavily on this because it's um far too long and too much of a mess but andrew sullivan decided that he was gonna come out of his fire island retirement (laughs) you know fucking extracted his face from some bear's crotch long enough to fucking go bang out ten thousand words for some reason and i mean it's he actually has some interesting points in this piece um the the title of which is democracies end when they are too democratic uh and it's basically another trump supporters are ushering in fascism beast which we talk about here and there but he sure. draws from Plato's Republic and Eric Hoffer's True Believer and all this stuff. It's it's all very oh yes, I'm I'm literary and all that. And, and this is in New York magazine, so no surprise uh, yeah. that that tone's um, been taken. <laughs> I mean, at least it wasn't the New Yorker, but <laughs> fair. But they probably wouldn't have printed this mess. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, I mean, there's there's two things I just want to read just to roll my eyes at, and then we can move on. One is the ending yeah, by all means. that says Trump is an extinction-level event. <laughs> and it's just... Nobody was really on top of that one. There was there was kind of the predictable social justice kind of comments is what I was seeing on Twitter where, um, you know, people in the Black Lives Matter movement were saying this focus too heavily on white people and this, that, and the other, which 
okay. <laughs> like, I, I guess if we have to have that conversation about literally everything that is ever written, then fine, we can have that conversation. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's wasn't necessarily my problem with it uh, because I mean, I I think that Andrew Sullivan is more competent to talk about what's going on with white people being he is one um but uh you know aside from all that i just none of that seems to be justified he's all like oh well this is classic eric coffer and this that and the other and then a few thousand words later like i don't know how we got here but the absolute best part of this <laughs> was second section starts in bold with plato of course was not clairvoyant <laughs> which i would like to submit as stupidest goddamn sentence of the week written by anyone. <laughs> I can't argue I mean, with that. I mean, I'm sure that we could go to HuffPost blog right now and find something worse, but oh, in terms yeah. of things that I read, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that just really takes the cake. He has some good points in there just about some, uh, you know, people feeling disenfranchised and, uh, you know, kind of the uh, structure of white working class lifestyle in America, which is a problem. Um, some of the some of the POC responses to that basically were like, "Well, black working class people are having the same jobs, so you know, fuck you." Like, yeah. <laughs> it's also a problem for us. But um, you know, there may be more not so much Trump supporters as much, you know? So there's that in terms of analyzing that. Uh, although there was some data going around. I want to say it was 538. Did you see this? Um, on Which 538's live blog tonight of the election results that, uh, the primary results that um, the they were talking about the myth of the white working class Donald Trump support. And we're oh, saying yeah. that his median mm -hmm. income um, the, or the median income of the average Donald Trump supporter was actually higher than anyone yeah, else's yeah. aside from Kasich. Yeah, I did see that. Um, I mean, anything that I could really, I think any extrapolation from that is sort of going to be just uh, speculative, you know, about what, what, what the cause is of this. But he's famous for being rich, even when he is failing at being rich. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of like middle and lower class people who, well, plenty of them obviously are the ones who get put on television and YouTube from Trump rallies, and they're the face that the media and especially like leftist media wants to show you. Mm. You know, they are these they are these rubes who have been duped into supporting Donald Trump. Right. I think that that's I think that's calculated. And that's what we see, and of course, that's easy to believe then. But, uh, and, and I mean, he certainly, you know, does rile up many people from that group, don't get me wrong. But in terms of the people that you expect to actually show up to things like primaries and caucuses to vote, which which is not that group of people, you know what I mean? It's not that voting block. So I think that he actually is connecting on some of his policy things if you can call them that i mean I, I think that like his ideas about uh raid and stuff like this are probably what is getting him as many votes as something like build a wall 
I mean, that's what's making people yell at a rally. But you can look at the Democratic side and see that yelling at a rally does not necessarily translate to votes. Right. But I think that it's other um, – uh, I mean because of how little detail he's offered on everything, I struggle to call it substantive. But things that are at least more like realistic or somehow substantive are what is actually driving people to vote for him. So I think that the, the representation in the media of, of the voting – of the Donald Trump voting public – is not exactly who's really showing up and casting votes for him. Well, I have, sense. No, it does. Um, there was a piece that went out a couple weeks ago. Um, I almost brought this up on one of our previous casts, but and then, you know, uh, slipped. Uh, this is on Vox. It's called The Smug Style in American Liberalism by Emmett Renson. Uh, not going to really dive into it, but basically the, the entirety of this, of this piece is the idea that for the past few decades, Democrats have, and liberals in general have cultivated this style of, of, you know, oh, well, you support XYZ, Trump, Cruz, whoever, because you've been duped. You've been, you're uneducated, you're ready, right. you know, mm-hmm. um, which does not help the discourse at all. But I think what you said about uh, the media wanting to cultivate that is is probably dead on. Right. And I mean, like you see, you know, videos that end up getting shared around Facebook and all over YouTube and things like this that are, you know, like I went to a Trump rally and people got mad at me and I went to a Bernie Sanders rally and everybody hugged me. Like, sure, I'm sure that those things happened. But you know what? If you showed up at a Trump rally, like in a Trump t-shirt or something like that, I bet a lot of those weirdos would hug you too. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very selective manipulative way to to present the issue at hand i think so i mean you know again we it comes back to just a very uh calculated representation of what we're seeing you know who's not voting for trump anymore though who's that aaron carter oh say it ain't so yeah formally withdrew his support this week he said it was not because of pressure from his fans <laughs> but because it had gone too far he didn't you know, go on about what that meant, but I know, I'm, I'm sure we can surmise, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more of those <laughs> <laughs> coming. I mean, yeah, it, I, I think that's a, a valid point. I, I, I it's not going to be surprising if to see the people not voting in the general that were Sanders supporters, or yeah. or were Republicans of some stripe that won't vote for Trump? You know, I mean that that yeah. that's going to cut both ways this year. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, I mean there is such, especially with uh, with Sanders supporters toward Hillary mm-hmm. on the Democratic side. I think that if it had gone the other way, that Hillary supporters would probably sort of you know swallow their pride, as it were, and and show up at the polls regardless because. That's who Hillary supporters are. They're the people that always vote anyway. <laughs> Hence yeah. why she, you know, won. Like, I mean, I think we can call it one. I, I, I guess maybe it's worth noting that Bernie Sanders did narrowly win Indiana tonight, but uh, who cares? It wasn't nearly by a margin that would guide him toward winning the nomination, of course. Like, it doesn't matter. We're, we've been over this a million times. Let's do talk about Bernie before we go, go back to Trump, though, because um, we're looking at most of the results are in for Indiana. And it's 
a, a very narrow margin in the scheme of things. He's going to pull some five delegates and nobody gives a shit. Well, actually, right. plenty of people give a shit, but they shouldn't. Um, right. And this is somewhat interesting because the polling going into this had Clinton leading. Not by much, uh, but by something like five points, depending on, you know, who you were paying attention to. But there wasn't a lot of polling going into it. No. And that's about what Sanders is going to win by is like five points. So that's like a 10-point miss if we're, you know, judging it based on something like that. Based on one poll. There was only a couple polls. But it turns out that uh, the polling going into it was maybe not as good or accurate or thoroughgoing as as you may have guessed. Uh... Uh, Matt, I was reporting on this. The reason that there wasn't much polling uh, was because Indiana apparently has very strict robocall rules. And so uh. the people that did the polls had to hire staff to actually talk to people. Um, huh. And that meant that, you know, they could contact less people and less people probably wanted to talk and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, so that was definitely a factor. But here's the interesting piece is that going into this, uh, Let's see. There was over at the International Business Times. I can never remember where this guy's writing for at any given point. Uh, but Ned Reznikoff had a piece, uh, looks like it went up late last night, where basically he was predicting a, a Bernie Sanders win based on the demographics, right? Which uh, yeah. seems to have been more consistent in the Clinton-Sanders fight um then the polling has been just absolutely this yeah. year mm-hmm. uh, and he's mostly talking about you know working class voters and that kind of thing but even more interesting is going back to i don't even know how many podcasts ago where we talked about alan abramowitz uh and mm-hmm. his forecasting over at uh sabato's crystal ball um where he successfully predicted michigan's upset again yeah. based on demographics and it wasn't it was less of an ideological thing Ideological is probably the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying. Um, right, right, right. It was, it was less about like think PC and more just about data. Yes. And, and he successfully picked, predicted like very closely. And so I, I decided to go dig that guy back up again. <laughs> and uh, he did on April 27th, so last week sometime, yeah. um, post his uh, results of that method for the next few big primaries. And what he predicted for Indiana was that Clinton was going to walk away with 47% of the vote. And where we're at right now with 94% in is that Clinton has 47.5% of the vote. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's been uh, really interesting that the demographics have absolutely been a better predictor of results on the Democratic side Mm -hmm. than, than the polling data. Because uh, I did just just look it up here while we've been talking, and yeah, the the polling average for what little data there was there, like you said, was uh, Clinton by about seven points on average. So yeah, I mean that's like a twelve point swing from the polling average to the actual result that we got here, assuming that those five points holds up, which it probably will. Um. So yeah, again, these pretty white states continue to vote for Bernie Sanders, and I mean I think that people were trying to attribute it to being caucuses but i think it's just a kind of a (laughs) a uh coincidence really that the white states that have been voting have largely had caucuses instead of 
mm-hmm. of uh and I mean then again there's there's the like inherent fact that caucuses participation in caucuses you know favors a certain class of people anyway and you really can't unlink class from race in America so right that's probably you know a little bit of it too again you know it, it might not even come down to the actual demographics who populate the state but the demographics who are able and uh, able to participate in caucuses and that sort of thing which again are going to favor bernie sanders there also seems to be some buzz going around about um how the clinton campaign was handling this going in because clinton is basically pulled out of the primary for all intents yeah. purposes uh she's focusing on the general and she's, barely did she's anything sitting at in home Indiana. in new york right now yeah yeah um and uh so so that may have played some things in there. Um, there was a Daily Beast article that went up tonight that um, is kind of irrelevant, but I love the headline. Bernie Sanders buys himself another month with Indiana primary win. <laughs> and basically the whole thing goes on to excoriate Clinton to say, you know, if you just tried a little harder, maybe you could lock have locked down those five points. And then <laughs> there, right. there would be less ammunition for the Sanders campaign to go off of. And granted, and if he lost this one, maybe... he'd still probably be going. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and I mean, I think that she has moved on to the the general election now i mean that's why she's sitting at home in new york and why bernie sanders is well she's not technically she's campaigning in swing states but yeah (laughs) but i mean (laughs) technically bernie's in kentucky tonight but i mean it's like right across the border of indiana so same thing i mean he's been in indiana but uh i think that she's going to maybe regret that she has to continue talking about this Mm. now that donald trump can pretty much entirely move on to the to the general election because Kasich is even less of a less of an annoyance than Sanders is at this point oh, yeah. for Trump. So Yeah, absolutely. But the, yeah, I mean, um, he's it's it's surprising that the Republican race is essentially the first one that is really you know, it, it is now more over. It has been the one that's been up in the air this entire mm-hmm. season and now and somehow it's the sudden, one that ended was, first. All of a sudden Cruz is gone. I was not expecting that at all. Me neither. Like I I I was um actually driving and my phone got a notification uh and <laughs> i just looked down at it and i like started squealing with delight that you know Cruz dropped out <laughs> i was just like so excited i went and got myself a celebration chipotle and the nice lesbian there gave me a free celebration coca-cola um you know i mean it was just kind of worked out for everybody but yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I thought that we'd see at least this cruise fiorina ticket like charge into nebraska and west virginia next week you know what i mean yeah like go go into nebraska and and west virginia next week and and maybe oregon and washington later in the month like i thought that we'd at least i mean man we've only got a month left in this like it's only june 7th when the last you know republican races happen and it was already mathematically impossible for him for weeks Yes, he would. So could the not entirety get. of the strategy was based on getting to a second ballot in Cleveland. So I don't know what's changed. Neither do I. I mean, it doesn't make any sense unless he's going to pull. Maybe like, they what... paid a lot of fucking money for that logo. <laughs> They're just like and they that were was like, it. oh shit, <laughs> the, the, the Arena logo. logo. Wow, yeah. maybe they really, really overpaid for the web address. <laughs> Guys, we are we are now. They paid totally somebody to insoluble. resurrect like... Andy Warhol, and <laughs> that just cost a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the only thing that I can think of for it to for it to have all been riding on Indiana for their idea to have been like, well, Indiana is it. 
come on, Gary, we got to do this. Well, I almost wonder if if the the tactic that everyone said that Rubio was going to take is now the tactic that everybody everybody but Kasich is taking. That you know you quote suspend your campaign and then. As long as there's one person on the ballot, you know, like as as long right. as the as long as the delegates, because Rubio behind behind the scenes has been trying to ensure that his delegates stay with him for the first ballot, um, and that yeah. they don't get reallocated according to convention rules. And so yeah. maybe Cruz doesn't need a campaign if if the end game is the second or third ballot, because yeah, but I mean, but it still so seems many... asinine. Yeah, like there's so many delegates still left out there since California is left. Right. If Cruz is, or if Trump rather, sorry, Trump is the only guy really going. Like if it's just Trump yeah. and Kasich. No, I that's mean, true. Because he's going to hit 1237, period. It looks like it now. I mean, yeah. unless there is this coalition behind Kasich, like unless he just becomes no. a viable spoiler somehow. No. I mean, it was looking like he was going to pull 1237 anyway, but. He was getting you can't he was assume, nearly back on pace. Yeah. Yeah, you can't assume that all of what was voting for Cruz is just gonna throw over to Kasich and then he's gonna pull all the same number of delegates. Yeah, but know? I mean what's what's so crazy to me is that and we've talked about the uh the delegate tracker from five thirty eight plenty on this podcast. But like uh even even last week when Trump like uh one Pennsylvania and all that, but like there's like some weird stuff with how the Pennsylvania delegates work. And then Cruz, like at large delegates from Virginia, Cruz also won like 10 of those 13 last week, which are like not bound to the voting or whatever. Like there were little mistakes that Trump had made or like little setbacks. Now, granted, he was way, way ahead of everybody else, obviously, like 400 plus delegates ahead of Ted Cruz. But he was still only 97% of the way to his target on this delegate tracker. So he was still behind the pace. He still had to keep winning and winning at these larger margins to get to 1237 by the time Cleveland rolls around. So the, I mean, it's not, it was not, at least before tonight, guaranteed that he would get to that number. It, it yeah. was always known he was going to get close, but it was not at all guaranteed that he was going to get there, especially with 172 delegates looming in California in just about a month from now. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand how the strategy could have changed. Yeah. I just no, don't get it no, so quickly. None of this makes any sense. At no. All. No, it's it's so very, very strange to me. But, I mean, um, I, I, yeah, I'm almost speechless about what they could be thinking for why to announce a running mate and then you know two minutes later say never mind we're out yeah well i mean it's pretty clear that ted cruz uh, you know while he's wearing the human suit has a very <laughs> difficult time using his reptile mind absolutely but, um, he does you know some interesting other interesting things that have come out of of tonight uh is i'm pulling this actually from cnn's live blog they're, you know, they're calling the postmortem on the, on the stop Trump, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the never Trump or anything but Trump <laughs> campaign. Right. Um, and there's, uh, this firm is, is estimating that, uh, the ad campaign to stop Donald Trump has cost $75 million. Holy God. And for comparison, I decided to go look up and I'm pulling this from opensecrets.org. Um, it's a campaign finance tracking site. They are estimating that the total amount spent 
to date by the Trump for president campaign, which is, has been low for a presidential campaign. Um, mm-hmm. The Clinton and the um, Sanders campaign both definitely dwarf this. But Trump has been largely spending from um, out of his own pocket, too. So, right. Yeah. Um, the uh, anyway, uh, according to them, anyway, 50 million dollars. So what's been spent on the Trump campaign, at least wow. out of— Wow, so 150 percent of what he's been spent has been spent to stop him. Yeah, and I don't know wow. if this is just—this This is called fundraising, so that might not include his personal money. So okay. by the time okay. he's throwing the—I don't know, $20 million, I'm just picking numbers out of a hat that he's thrown out of his you know deep pockets, then the percentage is different. But uh, yeah, yeah but... either way, it seems likely that there has been more spent on just the Stop Trump campaign ads, which didn't even start— until a few months ago, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, then and Trump has spent to become the Republican nominee. <laughs> wow, which is pretty. Uh, cool. I mean, if there is anything to be gleaned from that, maybe maybe this deep-pocketed coalition of of Never Trump can somehow get support to to Kasich for all these. I mean, maybe this is now when all the Republicans who are actually afraid of a Donald Trump nomination will finally say, okay, well, look, it's down to our last hope. Like, this is our last guy. We got to get out there in Nebraska and in West Virginia and Oregon and Washington, blah, 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 and it's, say, okay, we've got to vote against Donald Trump. I mean, maybe maybe there is something to that. I don't think that's going to happen. It's their it's, last it's guy. It's an interesting idea. It's their last guy, but – and I realize that um, uh, uh, forecasting the general election polls are largely bullshit. But it's the only guy that in the general election, you know, fantasy football polls <laughs> um, <laughs> that pit the, the various Republican potentials against Clinton. Kasich is the only one that wins against Clinton yeah. in those polls, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that he's their last is. choice, only he's the one that wins. And everything that um, that campaign's been saying tonight is that he's he's staying in this until someone is at twelve thirty seven right. at least. Like he might not be in it till Cleveland, but unless Trump gets to the magic number, he's in. Kasich right. is staying in. Well, I mean, he's probably not spending much money on this, is he? Like he's, he doesn't have anything that's better to do. What's he going to do? And now Ohio? he's now he's theoretically <laughs> going to get more money flowing in. So yeah, I imagine he can probably do it. Right? Yeah, I mean, one assumes he he actually announced before today. Um, it was last week at some point he made an announcement that he was going to make an announcement. Then he goes up and says that he, I, I'm, I am, I could be misremembering the exact wording here, but like, you know, he basically comes up and is like, oh, well, I prayed about it and talked to my wife about it. And, <laughs> you know, we thought about it really hard and everybody's waiting for, and we're dropping out. And he says, and I've got to stay through this to the end. <laughs> <laughs> the old switcheroo. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> he said that his his wife's told him that somebody has to give the American people a choice, and if not him, then who? Basically, and you know what? Fair play. Yeah, I mean that's that's good funny. on her. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's not like he had a path nomination anyway. So uh, no, I guess, absolutely not. I guess if he's I mean, just doing this as a protest candidacy, basically, and a you know maybe miraculously second or third ballot candidate, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is, if he is. If he is the guy, if he somehow manages to keep Trump from 50% of the delegates, he is going to have a groundswell of support behind him on a second or third convention ballot. Granted, this is all crazy fantasy talk. You oh, know yeah. what I mean, we're like just totally right. fantasy booking this whole thing. But 
I mean, in that that's scenario, what we've been doing all podcast. But yeah. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but in that scenario, he may become the most viable or likely second or third ballot convention candidate, you know, in in a non-Trump scenario. So, I mean, maybe this is, you know, what the hell? Why not? If you got yeah. the money to keep going, keep going. Which, again, like brings to mind why did crew stop but whatever and, you know we've we've covered that i suppose but but still it's a it's a really there's still at least until trump gets to the number it's still fairly compelling i, I wonder I think... if reince priebus like rolled up with some dudes in ski masks and threw ted cruz in the back of a trunk rip, <laughs> ripped off his human suit and attached electric clamps to his lizard nipples and said, you know, look, <laughs> you're not going to, you're not going to get 1237. Kasich isn't going to get 1237. <laughs> Kasich is who we're going to support. So right. just fucking yeah. get out of the way already. <laughs> I mean, I do believe that that's probably been going on once or twice a day for the last several weeks. <laughs> that's my official prediction. But, uh, so, so make America listen to this again. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Electrifies so America's lip, lizard nipples again. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, we are—we've reached a, a an interesting place with this discussion. I think where we're just talking mostly about electric lizard nipples. <laughs> oh, which is my new like traveling jam band. Oh, awesome! <laughs> All you do is fish covers. Yes. Well, we do some dead covers too. But yeah, just all for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, and his uh, terrible taste in music. Yeah, obviously. So, whoever the nominee is, and whoever the president is, one thing that we can be sure of is that no one's actually coming for our guns. But I wish that they were, because yeah, no in, in this week's Second Amendment watch, we have again just so many uh, articles and headlines that we could have gone with. The Washington Post has a. I think this is the big one. Yeah detailed description uh you mean it, it has essentially an entire list of the 23 people this year who have been shot by toddlers mostly themselves yeah uh and and i mean it's you know it's all over the country they've got a a map where you can you can look some states have as many i mean georgia has eight people who have been shot by a toddler mm -hmm. this year four months it's just, uh, just you know, grotesque to even think about, really. But it continues to happen all of the time. Uh, Obama is uh, pushing for smart guns, which uh, would at least have some sort of. Uh, except it wouldn't. That the the feeble attempts of the quote left no, of, I, of I our know. country to try to rein in gun violence are just. They're almost insult. They are insulting. Smart <laughs> I guns. Agree. Here, really? I know. This is. I mean, it's very Metal Gear Solid Four. I know, but this is where I sort of disagree with you in that. I, I think that it's like at least a step to take. I still totally abolish the Second Amendment. Yeah, abolish but it. And until we until we abolish it, let's at least like continue to take the and, and like this is a terrible word to say, but let's continue to take the baby steps to like limit gun violence if we can we have to make sure not to like you know rest on those laurels and count them as actual victories when they're not 
Yeah, my problem with smart guns is that it would inevitably only apply to new gun sales. You know, I mean, unless they're going to go chip everyone's right. guns that already yeah. exist out in the world. And you know that's not going to happen. No. I mean, that would be harder than taking them away. Like, you know, I mean, right. re- I mean yeah. really? You know, I mean, like, you're going to, like, package them up and send them to Remington and, you know, I don't know. Just... I mean, I wish that they were literally, even if, like, if if there were a way to placate the gun people by saying, we'll give you all of your guns, but we're going to make them into these smart guns, essentially. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll take them away and give you back smart guns in their place. I wish there were a way to do that, because another one of the stories that we looked at was uh, a Baltimore cop who shot a 13-year-old boy carrying a replica handgun. At least the smart guns look like, you know, fucking dumb props. Whereas, like, they released a picture of this replica handgun, and it's yeah, it a gun, like as far as I can the tell. Gun, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Baltimore, I mean, like, what are we going to do with you? I know, and this is, it was exactly one year after the Freddie Gray riots. I don't even know anymore. It's... I know, this is all so unreal. I mean, this toddler violence, the 13-year-old getting shot, it's all so just, like, preposterous yeah. that that we are the only people sitting here saying, okay, Get no one should have the right to bear gun, yeah. to bear arms, yeah. yeah. Parting shot here. They're one of the main members of the website Zero Hedge... <laughs> has come out to expose it and i don't have a real big grasp on all this whole story but i think it's hilarious because <laughs> because basically this is one of those like i don't know if ultra libertarian is the right word but it's i mean that make that yeah that makes sense i mean it is and it's not that's the crazy thing about this story <laughs> is is that like as i think that's the kind of people that flock to it is because this okay. is the kind of website okay, that yeah. is is all about like you know let's go back to the gold standard and you know everybody you know prepare for the coming depression and you know you know Obama is going to tank everything and this is site zero for all of those assholes right? right but the one of the guys decides that he's had enough and speaks out they've the the main writers have all written anonymously under the name Tyler Durden because of course they have yeah obviously they have <laughs> and Jesus fucking Christ one of the triumvirate if you will of the Tyler Durdens <laughs> um, I will the <laughs> basically came out to Bloomberg and was like, fuck these guys. These guys are just clickbaity assholes that are all just ciphers for the Kremlin. <laughs> and, and how oh, yeah. he's talking about how they've been doing all this like pro Putin, pro Assad stuff. And like, I haven't read the site in years. There was a point in my life where I was like kind of pro libertarian. And so I was on that bandwagon. Um, before it became clear that everyone in that camp was a raving lunatic. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I used to read the site a little bit, um, but they, but the site thinks that it's, you know, these like super intellectual um, analytical, you know, they have all the numbers and they you know thing, but, but really right. just ciphers from Moscow. Like, like, and, and I guess I never really picked up on it, but like, this is a, this is a trend. I've got a friend of mine on Facebook that, you know, he's always praising Putin and it always kind of confused me. I, I knew he read Zero Hedge, <laughs> which like I dabbled in just to like hear like whether I was going to make money on buying and selling gold that month or not. Um, but that was like, you know, as far deep as I went. And so I knew he read that and I knew that he was pro Putin, but I never really linked the two together <laughs> <laughs> that this was just like a propaganda office of the Kremlin. Like just crazy. Like this is a thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's 
it's uh it's amazing though i mean i'm so happy that that this story has happened because uh, like you said of course they're writing under the pseudonym tyler durden all of them are obviously and it's i mean i haven't i hadn't really had that experience that you have where you had someone you know that you knew that was reading this so i think that's really the the take home here is that it's profoundly bizarre mm-hmm. that it is a cipher for the kremlin <laughs> like it's 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 like i mean i don't even know how to how to put into words how fictional that seems right yeah yeah i mean it's uh, we we like to write off russia right it's not the cold war anymore <laughs> <laughs> right we we think of them as just like sitting over a barrel of of burning you know uh trees from siberia <laughs> drinking <laughs> vodka and that's that's just what they're doing while putin's staff is funneling money into panama <laughs> like from from you know all of the radioactive materials that they're sending to <laughs> uh various middle eastern terrorist organizations right. um you know that's kind of how we imagine it but like I don't know. They're doing something over there. <laughs> They've got a plan. No one knows what the plan is. They're, you know, buzzing our our airline or our um, aircraft carriers with their planes, <laughs> right? And and they're they're creating propaganda wings out of libertarian websites, <laughs> like, <laughs> or or maybe these guys just did it for free because they're, you know, I don't know just super fans of the Putin for whatever reason. I don't know, but it's completely absurd and it's what we live for. It really is. Yep. Like this and Ted Cruz being looser in the flesh. Yep. I I mean, yeah, my, my, uh, my parting shot for you all would be to take a moment to go to www.tedcruzforhumanpresident.com <laughs> and just as sort of a postmortem, uh, on this Ted Cruz campaign, just look at the testimonials, like things from Guy Manderson, who says that <laughs> Ted Cruz is only one being and not several. Or or Ted Cruz's plan for American prosperity, which is to shut down the space program and destroy all telescopes abruptly and without explanation. There's not a lot of content here, but it's all gold. It's all 100% gold, and you should all go see it. So, so Because is, unfortunately, Ted Cruz is no longer running, so see it while you can. Is Is Ted four fish and not a guy <laughs> i'm sorry miss jackson i'm sorry miss Fiorina. Mm, ted is four eels <laughs> oh on that note on the sad sad note of of the zodiac killer having to go back to being a full-time zodiac killer i guess uh i guess that's maybe where we should leave you for this evening yeah um <laughs> you can you can follow me at Lex.bat on Twitter. And I'm your... Real Chris Estes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, you can um, subscribe on iTunes, please. Yeah, you can subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher. Um, someday we're going to have theme music. If anybody has, like, um, a uh, a guitar that they would like to compose us, a political sexual turn on, <laughs> or perhaps <laughs> perhaps a um, an ocarina. If oh, you yes. Are, mm-hmm. If you are Lindsey Sterling... And do you have an ocarina and or a violin that you would like to compose a video game based politico sexual theme song for and also 
come visit us. Yeah, please come visit us. <laughs> um, you know, just just in case you're in our listeners. We promise not to talk about Ted Cruz too much. But we will because we break yeah, all we, our promises. Yeah, we will. I mean, that's an empty promise. Aside from that, let us know if uh, you want Make America Nipples Again shirts or mm. um, Electric Radical Nipples Again America. <laughs> 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 You know, uh, maybe we can start a Twitter poll and, you know, it'll I mean, be just I us voting that. on it, really. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, all, all great things to come. We're going to keep doing this. But I think that's all we have for real. Yeah. Until next week, unless you all, you know, discover that we are actually a cipher for the Kremlin, we will be seeing you then. Which no one's saying we're not. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, on that note, thank you again for listening, and we'll be looking forward to talking at you again next week. See you later.